Hey guys, are you still looking for a disc golf mini for the disc golf season that's about to be over? Or maybe in general just some 3D printed work? Well, look no further than Dirty Birdie Prints. This is a 3D printing company on Etsy ran by my good buddy, Mr. Michael Sarah. Check them out. Got all your 3D printing design needs. And as a special add-on bonus, for anybody that uses promo code in all caps, OTC15 will receive 15% off their very first purchase. And again, that's D-I-R-T-I-E-B-I-R-D-I-E-P-R-I-N-T-S. And that's Dirty Birdie Prints over on Etsy.com. So go ahead and check them out. Off the Chains has been brought to you in part by Team Disc Store. The team that sponsors yours truly. And Simeon Brothers Creative. Design, print, and promotion. For any of your graphic design needs, please follow Simeon Brothers Creative on any of your social media platforms. That's S-I-M-I-A-N Brothers Creative. And what is going on, everybody? And welcome back to another edition of Off the Chains. This is Season 2, Episode 29. And this is a disc golf podcast for those who have a true love and passion for the sport. I am your host with the most, of course, as always, Cody Enervold, PDGA member 148739. <laughs> and I'd like to kick off this week's episode by just pretty much welcoming any all my listeners back. As I did take a week off from podcasting, anything disc golf related, I took the week off. As I had pretty much a... This very, very disappointing tournament, uh, 20th and 21st August, that took place at Highland Park, didn't play up to my potential, and got to a point where I was so mentally drained that I just needed to take a week off to, I guess the proper term is to mentally refresh, so wanted to take a time away from disc golf, I didn't even go play a course, I didn't go do any YouTube, I didn't do any podcast, nothing, I literally just took the week off from disc golf, so... Definitely needed it, and now I'm just back to get things rolling. So let's go ahead and jump right into it, shall we, by talking about our very first topic, and that is recapping my tournament, like I said, that took place August 20th and the 21st over in Lockport, Illinois, or Joliet, Illinois, I guess I should say, at Highland Park. Now, obviously, you guys know in episodes past, and I've talked about it numerously, that Highland Park is a course that I either play really good or really bad at. I told you guys my preparation of five practice rounds, um, worst one being 10 over, the best being three under, um, did the flex start shot even, felt really good, and then tournament came, and I played awful. Started off with kicking a bogey on the very first hole, which the rain was really, really bad that day. Um, took a bogey on that hole, which was just a bad mental stupid, I guess, first hole jitters. I just put nothing on it. 
10 foot putt to save the par and completely whiffed on it. So took a bogey to start off on the very first hole, followed it up with seven pars in a row, and then did three bogeys in a row, followed up with a par, a bogey, which on hole four in the first round was pretty cool, even though it was the same bogey. Uh, it was one of the easiest holes there. Um, I threw my MetaZen Essence and didn't get anything on it really. Uh, kind of threw it right into the ground. Second shot went into the woods. Third shot, um, I got about 20 feet, 15 feet of that in front of me and got pushed back in more woods. So literally looked at my card mates and said, well, if you're going to blow up on a hole, you got to do it on one of the easiest ones, right? So I unfortunately um, was going for four, just threw it up in a hyzer, did nothing of it just to get it up there to tap in the five and move on with my day. And I managed to ricochet off a skinny tree and then it pushed my disc directly down and I managed to ricochet off a tree into the basket to save the par or to save the bogey so even though it was for bogey it was still a great save but it just I was just really disappointed uh followed up with back-to-back -back pars on five and six followed up with back-to-back -back bogeys on seven and eight and then finished out my round when the rain started hitting again with a um par finishing out my round Round one with a seven over performance, 857 rated, which was 17 points below my rating. So obviously not ideal, but especially the last three holes, we're just trying to rush with the rain and thunder and lightning coming back again. Just want, I didn't really want to get delayed for two holes and just kind of rush my shots. And especially on eight, I paid the price. I needed to, I rushed my shot and just needed to lay up and tap my par in and move on to the final hole. And I hit a tree 10 feet in front of me because I tried to rush and paid the price for it. So after hole one, or after round one, I was sitting at seven over, tied for like 26th or something like that. So like sitting like right in the middle of the field. Uh, round two um, was only one stroke better, unfortunately, but it felt a lot cleaner. Um, I started off the day with uh, eight pars in a row, followed it up with a bogey on 18. Um, so I ended up being one over to the back nine. Got a par on hole one, and then I followed up with a double bogey on two. Just went with a Colburn. It's an overstable uh, distance driver, nine-speed overstable distance driver from Latitude 64. I don't even know if they make them anymore. They make the Opto Xs. And I um, should have went with an Avenger SS or an SS because the uh, tailwind picked up, and I decided to go overstable with a tailwind and completely put nothing or put on it, but it just ended up going dead straight and flipping on me and ended up going way into the woods and had to pitch up in a second and ended up, unfortunately, double bogey in hole two. Hard hole three followed up with a double bogey again on the easiest hole. Um, just hole just ate me alive, which it pissed me off because I honestly prefer to play the other pin and the other pins longer. I've finally been able to manage to like, figure out that hole. Ended up being one of my favorite holes there just for them to be like, oh yeah, with all constant backup we have on that hole, we're just going to be with a shorter pin. So, stuck. But five, six, seven, and eight, I followed up with uh, pars on that. Um, Hole six should have been a birdie. I had a 20-foot look and put it online, just didn't give it the height. Very frustrated. Uh, hole nine, I put a, had a good drive. Second shot, I freaking early released my uh, instinct. Should have just laid up on the three. Uh, my third shot and decided to try and run it and put myself about 10 feet to the left of the basket on the par, on the par finish. And it just stuck to my hand, and I whipped on the putt like really bad and finished with a bogey, and I was so mentally frustrated and pissed off that when I got back to my car I punched my trunk of my car as hard as I could not my throwing hand thank god but I punched as hard as I could and I couldn't feel my hand for two days so 
Um, that was kind of the coup de grace of me doing, I really need to take this week off. I needed to back out of the tournament I was going to play at Lemon Lake, which I did. And I just need to take the week off to just figure stuff out and take a couple weeks off before I have to go play Oswego on the 11th of September. So second round ended up being six over, which was a stroke better, but it still was rated lower just because the weather conditions were a lot better. Finished 848 for that second round. Averaged out at 853, which was 21 points below my rating. But I shot a, 90 something, a 908 rated round at the flex start. And hopefully that if I do go down, or hopefully I can do bit good at Oswego and hopefully get this rating up because I want to get up. I want to get to 900 and I'm not, I'm just kind of been stalled for the last few months. So finished 13 over for the tournament, tied for 29th out of um, a possible 49 places. So didn't cash out, but can't really dwell on that performance. It was just very lackluster. Um, as far as the ups and downs, like I said, ups about it, other than I had that nice uh, ricochet bogey putt on four on round one. I had a couple good shots. Um, the ups about it, drives felt good, other than a couple I threw low. Um, upshots felt clean. Putting was kind of weird. The first round, second round, it was on a little more. Um, the downs, I just couldn't get any, I couldn't get any of my putts to stick round one. Round two, I couldn't get any of my upshots to get there. Um, just sucked. Decided to take, like I said, decided to take the week off to just mentally refresh. And now I am more focused than I've ever been. Um, dealing with a lot of personal issues. My grandma being sick. My girlfriend being, got put in the hospital. Uh, I had to put one of my black, uh, one of my favorite dogs down. It's just, it's just been a really bad weekend. Uh, last couple of weeks, I guess I should say. So it's been really hard to mentally focus. And so I just needed to take a week off to uh, fresh my, refresh my mind, I guess is mentally is that's word way to describe it. But um, if you guys want to get more information on how my tournament went to Unstable Open 4, I will, if I do have the time tomorrow, I'm going to try and squeeze it in before the men tee off for round one of Worlds. I will try and get a, a tournament, Unstable Open 4 tournament recap video up on uh, my YouTube page. So be on the lookout hopefully for that tomorrow. And I'm, gonna, or if not, I will try and get that done as soon as I possibly can. So uh, to be on the lookout for that for, as far as the YouTube goes. All right, and moving on to our next topic, and that is going to recap um, the next, the last, the last stop on the disc golf pro or the what, which was, I guess I should say, the next stop on the disc golf pro tours uh, elite series events, and that was the True Bank Des Moines Challenge um, that took place out in Iowa. I don't know how to say the name. I think it's Iamandola, uh, Iowa. If I'm wrong. I'm, let me know in the comments. Correct me, please. But um, it saw, we saw a lot of good golf there. We saw Kristen Tarr having a massive lead and then giving it up a little bit. We saw um, a huge, like a massive fun fun playoff between uh, the up-and-comer Robert Burrish and Simon Lazat. Uh, just a lot of good things happened at this tournament. And um, definitely, Pricker Park is definitely a course I absolutely enjoy watching and I think it's a great part, of course, and I definitely, it's a course I definitely want to play sometime in the future, but we're going to do Hello, it. everyone, and Ooh. welcome to Picker. Sorry, guys. Hello. Sorry, guys. Try that again. We're going to do the quick round highlights here for you guys, starting with in round one, or starting with the FPO, I guess I should say. Here is FPO's round one highlights. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pickard Park. We're just outside of Des Moines, Iowa. 
here for the True Bank Challenge, the Des Moines Challenge, that is. And what a putt by Katrina Allen. Off to a great start. <laughs> what a putt by Kristen Tatar. Cage will do the same. Over on five, Katrina Allen with her tee shot. And well inside the circle. Great birdie look there for Katrina Allen. There's certainly a lot of trouble to be had. Can't get off the tee clean. And played almost perfectly. When you heard anyone talk about the strategy, they said they want to get just to the mouth, hopefully get a skip, and then miss the final few trees. That's exactly what we just saw from Kristen Tatar. And from way deep, Evelina falling forward in circle two. Reset here for Pierce. Very direct line at the pin and just past the basket. Pierce, another short birdie look coming back. Katrina Allen with another birdie look. Count it. Katrina Allen on fire. You can out. Katrina here from circle two and cans it. What a putt for Katrina Allen. That is to save the par on hole 10. And what an advantage to have a forehand that you can rely on like that to fight against the slope and the hillside to keep her over uh, getting over the initial OB, and then just to land short of the pin. Great shot by Tatar. Here's Kristen Tatar with yet another birdie look. Count it. Kristen Tatar. Another test for Katrina Allen, this time again from circle two for par. <laughs> Why not? The longest putt of the day, almost 50 feet to save par. And wrapping around the right side of the bucket, Juliana takes the birdie on 11. Of course she does. Great putt by Kristen. Just destroying the course at this point. She now is four clear of her next closest competitor in Katrina Allen. Just straight line for the last two shots. Katrina Allen with another birdie look, and that means another birdie for the scorecard. Katrina Allen. Another 50-foot make. I mean, outstanding. She's now 60%. C2. And also. 
Wow. To watch a full flight of a putt like that, and then at the very end, it hyzers in, smashes in the chain. You have to just assume that it's likely you're going to hit a tree. Just don't let it be too dramatic. Or you could miss them all somehow, like Kristen just did. It feels like that's the kind of day she's having. And closest to the pin, Juliana Corver piercing the gap. And what an impressive set of drives here. Let's see how she can cap off this monumental round. Here's Bruce. a birdie. Kristen Tatar with a six-stroke lead going into round two at the True Bank Des Moines Challenge. So after round one, we saw an absolutely incredible, dominant performance by Kristen Pitar, shooting an over 1,000 rated round, nine under, uh, round one, six strokes ahead of the of Katrina Allen in second place. Just really going Kristen Pitar's way, starting off uh, at the Des Moines Challenge. So I'm excited to see what... Uh, she does in the next two rounds. So here is the highlights for round two. Oh, I didn't get hit with an ad. Here Welcome we to Pickard Park. We are just outside of Des Moines, Iowa for the 2022 True Bank Des Moines Challenge. Also gives us great perspective how close the OB is to that, <laughs> to that tree. Tatar relying on the sidearm. Oh, this looks low. A wind bounce, a couple of skips, and a curl. Uh, amazing. To have that kind of power, another 20 feet down the fairway. Cat March is also going with the forehand. Not a problem. Kristen needs to pick a point in the sky. Leaving that disc <laughs> near perfect. This original course design largely brought to us by five-time world champ Juliana Corver, who said she lived just a mile from this property, and it's undergone a number of changes and updates throughout the years, but still a... <laughs> and as we see Cap merge from distance, capitalizing on that putt. Hole nine will tell you that story. Where they are at, they're teeing just straight uphill. So the release point is so awkward with how high you have to release the drive. Evelina using every bit of the fairway. A little bit of a bonus here. We'll see if Evelina can take advantage. Evelina brings a six stroke deficit now to just four. Cat looking for a similar result, maybe a little closer, and she's done just that. Great approach shot by Katrina Allen. Just inches. The benefit of taking that meter in, she's going to have a more open look up to the basket. It's certainly windy around this pin, though.
man, like yesterday, Kristen Tatar capitalizes on a birdie look on hole 10. Saw the roll away from Pierce. We catch back up with her. We see her in circle two, the jumper, and she cashes it in. Paige Pierce trying to make a charge. We'll see more of that on the other side of this commercial break. We're looking at you, Paige. And not much of an opportunity to advance even from there. Look at the wind. Up and down, back and forth, but Val Mondejano puts it right next to the pin. Evelina can execute this shot. It will be a highlight reel for sure. She can get up to the basket. Yes. She cuts it close, and there you go. And left side corner pocket for Evelina. Evelina now brings the deficit to just two strokes behind Kristen Tatar. And she has just one tree between her and the basket now. And not hitting any trees. Three free for Cat Merch. And in the middle of nowhere is Cynthia Ricciotti right now. In the middle of something, Terry. Can she get out? Beautiful. Solid recovery shot for Cynthia. Let's see if she can get back on track. Most certainly can. To close out today, otherwise she's going to be on the chase card. Here's Macy Valadez. What wind? Macy says, not a problem for her. Beautiful putt. And that solidifies Macy Valadez on the lead card going into championship Sunday. After round two, it showed uh, Kristen Tatar kind of take the foot off the gas a little bit and giving Emelina a small little window to catch up. But um, but then again, as Kristen Tatar in anything, she literally can do anything. So here is the FPO's. Beyond gives you and natural and organic you options. That, right? Of course, then when I don't have it ready, that's when the ad hits. You gotta love it. Here's Panorama. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Des Moines. We're here for the third and final round of the 2022 TrueBank Challenge Des Moines Challenge. And it's a needed shot on this course. It enables you to get around these corners. There's a lot of basket placements where you have to work the shot left to right. Evelina does just that. I don't, the only player on this card that doesn't rely on the forehand too much or as much as the rest of the card mates is Paige. So it, it's fun to see her work those slower speed Anheuser shots, but you just don't get the same type of angle as you do with the forehand. Could be picking up anywhere between 75 and 100 points, potentially with a solid finish. Forehand, I love the angle, just needs a skip, and it gets exactly that. Kristen Tatar, bullseye hit, 
looking at a birdie on hole two. There's Cap Merch on four. Wow. Oh <laughs> From way back in Des Moines. That's the tree that I was thinking Paige was aiming at. Clearing water the entire way inside the circle. Uh, actually might be more valuable to some of these disc golfers than hitting an ace. All right, so closest to the pin is sponsoring a $500 or is the prize on a $500 gift card. Paige <laughs> Pierce might be uh, filling up her tank with that one. I mean, these are pretty much perfect position, Terry. I mean, this is great watching this lead card play in front of these fans, and everyone seems to be putting together a decent round so far. And it's fun to watch how these players, it's a chess match, and they're matching each other on these shots, and everyone is just dialing it in with their drives. It's just a matter of the little errors that can happen. Can you get these second shots close enough? And Macy, well done. The only lead card competitor to take the par. Here's Jessica Weiss. She's got a long birdie look on seven. Oh, and she hands it left side, corner pocket. Wow. I was wondering how she was going to get that jump putt over the log and that full reach. Does this have the forward movement? Does perfectly an enthusiastic green flag from the spotter. Over Kristen Tatar looking to tap in for the birdie to push to 14 under. And she's done just that. So that gives her a five-stroke cushion over Evelina. These players are teeing just straight uphill. The hill in front of them is just so close that they have to release much higher than comfortable and still have the disc penetrating forward and straight. So the disc selection is important on this one to make sure that you're getting the flight. And oh my, our jaws dropped here in the booth. From that angle, that looked like it was in the basket. I just didn't hear the chains. So Pierce in maybe even more trouble than what Kristen's in in terms of that lie. Here's Evelina trying to take advantage of everything she's seeing in front of her. And she steps up and execute. What a shot by Evelina. That was. Oh, and Valadez, who's <laughs> no stranger to throw-ins, running at the basket, almost still walking away with the birdie. Another shot working from left to right. Look at the pin the entire way. And that's a great height from Kristen. And closest to the pin. So if we're wondering if Kristen's feeling the nerves, well, she's hiding it well, because that's going to be a birdie look here on 12. So 
Oh, Kristen, on the right-hand side of the fairway, is in that position to throw a sidearm shot around the corner. skip as that comes in it gets exactly that and Kristen Tatar again rises to the occasion putting all the pressure back on her closest chaser in Evelina Kristen Tatar an easy birdie look here on 14. Every round that we've seen she's able to hit that shot time and time again. So impressive as now we're watching Evelina who has to answer and Evelina puts it on a perfect line as well. Yeah, I mean, being on that right side, the high side of this hill, um, just gives you a lot straighter look at the basket. I mean, you can be down on that left side. You'll have a little bit more distance, but it's a bit more of a blind shot. So I think it's this is just a really well-designed hole. There's risk-reward from pretty much everywhere. And a huge opportunity here for Kristen Tatar. This is for birdie on 15. Does not let the nerves take control over that one. Going to take a look at line A up ahead on 17. And peering the gap with ease and then getting it to sit down right next to the pin. She's looking at another birdie to add to her scorecard. Here's the long birdie look we saw from the drive. One tree to get around and cap merge from way downtown. What a follow up. To the double bogey on 16, Cap Merch moves to five under, and that puts her in fourth. And Cat Merch, so we'll have to see what Cat does on hole 18, as goes for Macy. And this looks pure by Paige Pierce. And yet again. Appears to be closest to the pin for Pierce. I'm gonna roll that Zuka replay, look at it from the catch angle as it fades in, just the right amount of speed. And so Diaz, again, third place, finishing at six under. Your runner up, Evelina Salonen. And for the third time on the Elite Series this year, Kristen Tatar, the champion for the moon. Obviously, we have the world championships coming up. You haven't finished any worse than third place this year. Again, this is your third Elite Series victory this season, so you're pretty much considered the favorite next week. With that said, how does it feel to play so well now going into that tournament? Um, definitely a confidence booster, but um, previous victories don't matter uh, anything. Uh, it's going to be a new tournament, new conditions, uh, new challenge, so I try not to think about it. And last question for you, are you going to get straight to Emporia after today or are you going to take a couple of days off to rest? Um, I'm going to head over there tomorrow. I'm still going to go watch uh, Silver finish his round and then we're just going to chill out here for the evening. Well, fantastic week. Congratulations and good luck next week. So, yeah, after a phenomenal FPO um, tournament,
<clears throat> it was uh, Christian Dattaro ended up taking it down by, I believe, four strokes. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, four strokes. So, huge win for her. That makes her uh, third win on the Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite Series um, schedule. And that's also her fourth win in the last five tournaments she's competed in. So, absolutely phenomenal for her. Now, on to the MPO side. Once this ad is done playing. Gotta love ads, gotta love ads. And here's the bend. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Des Moines Challenge. We're at Pickard Park in Indianola, Iowa. Indianola. And, well, these aren't the views we're seeing at the moment. Beautiful look at Iowa and what it has to offer, but this afternoon, we're going to flip the script just for a few minutes. We're going to see that lightning is everywhere taking place in the entire greater Des Moines area, and we are currently on a lightning and weather delay. Thanks to our friends over at Gatekeeper Media, we've seen Lizotte's action from today. Here he is on hole number four. And ricochet off the tree, no problem. He'd go on to birdie that. And then on the very next hole, hole five, this morning we saw a few players go straight up the middle at it, and we saw a few hyzer attempts. None were as good as this one. Simon Lizotte just beyond the basket. And on the two holes later, hole number seven from inside the hexagon, he converts on the birdie look. His third shot on hole number 10 into the slope is completed here today. You see how sunny and bright and beautiful it is at that moment. Lacing it up the right side tunnel. And Simon Lazat in position there for the birdie. He would go ahead and capitalize and make it. And right now he has thrown two shots on hole number 18. We're also looking at our overall leaderboard at the moment. Matt Oram. He did get all the way into the clubhouse. He's your leader at 11 under. 20% birdies. Hard for me to not notice the new brace on Brody and what a shot there from him. And Gannon Burr converts. This is about as good as it gets. The winner from last weekend with the best tee shot of the group. And also this best second shot of the group, Ricky Wysocki looking strong. I know there was a lot of talk. What a shot. <laughs> yeah. That is perfect, folks. There's really no better spot than that. Now on the tee of four. Brody Smith. Four is a behemoth. 472 feet over water. And right at circle's edge. I mean, he started with four straight pars and then rattled off just, you know, basically birdieing out uh, minus a couple pars. Uh, there at the latter half of the round. Oh, what a shot there from, from Kale. Over, we've got Heimberg on the tee of five. Yeah, after that bogey on hole one, Calvin was just getting pars. Oh, and that shot there. Calvin just moving it out of the way so they can try to see through the water. And we're going to take another look here at Chris Dickerson's shot. Oh, this is great from the catch cam. This is beautiful. 
as it's tracking and a <laughs> little bit high, but nonetheless, great shot, slowing it down. We're jumping ahead. This is the tee of hole number seven. Anything outside of the hexagonal marked green would be considered a hazard, but Brody Smith's not worried about that with a near down and he's trying to keep it going this weekend in hole seven. Of course, our partners from Diameter Apparel and VII, hole number seven, all year long. Gavin Babcock having no problems finding the wood chips. Great shot. with what is his best putt of the round thus far. Now, Chris Dickerson. Oh, Chris, what a shot. Got a sit? Yes. And 10 now, Chris Dickerson with his third. Just thinking about... Now, he is on the inside left track, but he's so far up the fairway, should have a decent chance. Smith on 12. Get him going on the back nine. Oh, and the pizza's in the oven. And this was the one hole that Simon Lazat bogeyed today or, well i guess yeah, yesterday round one <laughs> yeah <laughs> round my one God. that's a, yeah my yeah brody smith straddle putt for birdie brody smith doing work out here left on the on this round Boy, what a shot from Chris. That was great. Yeah, and what I love seeing here on hole number 13 is... And Beauty. Bath dialed in. That's a great throat shot. Yep. Jumping back, Kale LaVisca. This is his second on 15. And you could see after the tee shot of LaVisca, he had a beautiful angle. Yeah! There it is. Long range for Waisaki from circle two. Starts to jog it in. There's almost, again, the energy is so strange there because Ricky's like, what a sick putt, but that's just to get to one under. That's 10 shots behind Matt Orem. That's a birdie from Macbeth. And just a nice putt there from Burr out of the woods, battling back here, four under par. Smart side to be on. And what a shot from Macbeth. Brody looking for a backstop, checks up nicely. He's going to have a great look. So this is for Macbeth to go to two under and move up from 78th place. 
he's going to do just that. So Paul Macbeth, the long-range putt on 18 to close out. After, <clears throat> so after round one, we saw it end up actually ended up getting rained out. Those highlights were actually from the same day as round two's coverage. So what happened was majority of the cards that played an MPO on that on round run on that Friday got their rounds in, as opposed to some cards that were still on certain holes when they got called. Like Simon had two shots left um, on hole 18, <clears throat> so he had to wait a whole day to shoot more two more shots. So. Um, but they were able to get it in. They were able, they had to play super early that Saturday, the day of round two in the morning, and then had to come right back to round two. But since everything got delayed, postponed today, they didn't shuffle the cards based on score. They just basically stuck in the same tee time as you were the day before. So, um, but they were able to get it in. That's all that matters. Um, now on to round two. If I don't get hit with another ad, which I'm going to. What so. is your I love the ads, right? And we are done. Here's round two. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Pickard Park. Hole 14, we're getting right to the action, is Joel Freeman from deep in circle two, banging the 49-footer. And it's a birdie convert. Joel Freeman doing work. He moves to 15 under. For round one ended, and the wind was really kind of whipping around, very gusty, and uh, so really challenging conditions for these cards. This is his drive on hole number four. Felt like forever it was hanging out there. He would go on to make birdie from there, and here he is on nine. The spin putt, no problems. Is that his drive on 12 now? Going with the forehand. He's going to play it off. And what a putt. He couldn't even see it go in. Yeah, looks like we're going to head over to Joel Freeman now on hole 17, the shortest hole in the tournament, just 235 feet. And it just barely hooks up at the end. Jump over to the tee shot of hole two for Paul Macbeth. Nate, some would claim that's a yeet. Wow. It was a perfect shape, and it was a perfect distance line. He's maybe 150 to the pin. That was just ridiculous. Best drive I've ever seen in that hole, hands down. We've got Kevin Jones up ahead on 13. This is a birdie look. And he jams it in with a jumper. Yeah. But you may have a supporting point in the hazard. Nice clarification, sir. I wanted to clarify that from earlier this morning. I used that similar situation. Yen and Burr, similar. And then he's canning big putts. Hole 8, 580 downhill. Tailwind helping, and what a shot from Burr. Now we head back. Paul McBath on the tee of seven. The shot looks good for McBath. In fact, it's great for McBath. Four of those holes in a row throughout the entire tournament.
And he's about to add another one, it looks like. Kale, this looks fantastic. That's going to be parked, and Kale Visca taking care of the tee shot. The horseshoe hole number 11. It's going to be tracking left and deep of the pin as it sit down. It checks up just in time, and Waisaki inbounds with a birdie look on nine. Evan has no chance to make the lead card. These, these strokes are critical. Oh, that's going to be a near park job for Jones. A backhand from Macbeth, matching the slope, feeling like they're starting to heat up, get things going. One hole at a time. Here's Kelvin Heimberg. every second of it first chink in the burr armor here with a poor tee shot and nice shot there for calvin as he jumps over the rock wall gives himself a chance for birdie green light turning it into a birdie for calvin heimberg keep it high on the green high left All of those previous tee shots, Chris Dickerson's got it dialed in. A little additional limp in his walk. Have to keep an eye on that as Paul Macbeth pierces the gap on 12. The recon, and this is Macbeth for another birdie look. And sure enough, that's six out of the last seven for Paul Macbeth. Paul, the sidearm here on 13. Oh, Terry, what a shot. Inside C1, almost a park job for Macbeth. A chance for Macbeth to get to 10. That, you know, that little bit of brush or trees in behind there. Mm. Now check this. Oh, yeah, what a putt there from Dickerson. Nice birdie from Chris. No problem for Paul Macbeth. Or Drew Gibson has come up 66 places. And he's done it being bogey-free. Yeah, it's a good round. Macbeth in a really good position. Can he... Oh, what a kick. What a kick. His name at the bottom. Now he's going to have to scroll to find his way all the way back up at the top. Oh, yeah. No question. And that... Ends up checking up for... All right, thank you for the clarification as we're watching Macbeth throw his second. Plenty of sunshine out there. Oh, yeah. Here we go, baby! Yeah. Here we go, baby! Just, these are pro-level, just world champion-level shots from Paul Macbeth. It's... Calvin needs this birdie to bounce back. 
after 16. That's a good one from Calvin. This is Drew Gibson for a birdie on 18. Look at that scorecard. A one bogey, 11 under par for Drew Gibson. This is thirty. <laughs> yes. McBath going right up the middle, chasing out the basket, and just barely missing. Oh, McBath almost connects for the ace. Oh, I could do three more, Terry. It's been a fantastic day of disc golf. So much action out here. I think the big thing we have to think about is final day lead card, Simon Lazat yet again. It's just going to be, cannot leave this one left. Like we thought he would. Are you kidding me? What a shot. And with that, Paul Macbeth is going to move to 12 under on the round, and that will, in fact, be a new course record. Insane. Just insane. Like we thought he'd leave it left. He left this thing on a rope, just like the strike he threw the other night out at the White Sox game. I mean, what a shot from Paul Macbeth, and what a day. 12 down here in the afternoon. To Paul, overnight tonight. So after a... I guess what most would say a subpar performance from Paul McBeth in round one, shooting a two under first round. The man ended up going out there in the same day for the second round, shooting the course record at 12 under, moving up 99 positions, sitting in tied for sixth place. So after round two, it showed Edmund Smith in the lead with one, uh, 18 under, followed by Simon Lazad at 17, Robert Burge at 16, and also Joel Freeman at 16 going into the final round of the Bank Des Moines Challenge. So, just incredible to see that performance by Paul. Here is the final round of the MPO after this ad plays. Here is the final round. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the 2022 Bank Des Moines Challenge. We're here for the third and final round chance for a two-shot swing and make it a one-stroke match. Oh, this looks buttery, Terry. That's the common mistake, overturning it. That's the common mistake and the good mistake from Lazat. He did not bring that out of bounds into play. He's on the edge of the woods, a very makeable putt, and it's going to be Lazat up first. Lazat birdies. Robert Burridge needs this putt to force a playoff with Simon Lazat. Yeah! He's done it. Robert Burridge steps up and delivers, forcing the playoff. 
to Simon Lazat. We're going into extra hold. And check it out. It's Burridge first. It looks like it is, and he is lining up a forehand approach. You throw the same disc. He's, he's not even resetting. Sidearm shot here. OB right, OB left. Flirts with the left side OB, but he is inbounds. Very similar position to where we saw Paul McBeth from earlier in the round. And it's low. It's low, Terry. He's going to have no chance. I mean, and he's going to have to try to throw this one in. So Robert Burridge will have a 40-footer. Miss can go long out of bounds. There's a little bit of concern about that as well. Off the top could go OB. Burridge to win. That was absolutely dead center the entire way. Simon quickly stepping up, and the playoff extends to hole number two. Robert Burridge now has the honors. Second sudden death playoff hole. Wynn pushing from right to left, which is essentially helping the players. Actually got a fantastic kick off that tree. He now has a wide open look either side, left or right. side of the basket, inside the circle. Lazat to match. It's wide. Slope. That slope comes into play. Not bad, not bad. Simon Lazat needs this for birdie. Gutsy putt right there from Simon to keep the playoff alive. And Terry, you're getting your wish. <laughs> Hole three is going to be a part of the playoff. He gets the skip. He's in the opening, and Lazat will have a putt for birdie. Wide open, downhill putt on three. He just might get paid for that shot. Nate, here's Burridge. He has to answer. This is low. And it doesn't quite make it all the way out. That's at least an opportunity to see the basket. Now Simon Lazat needs this to extend the playoff. Otherwise, Robert Burridge is your champion. Lazat answers hole three. They both birdie. It was momentarily too high for Lazat. It drifts right into the upper. Burridge with the honors. Ryan, tell us about the shot. We hear all sorts of groans coming from the crowd and reactions. It skipped off the stump. 
moment, but he skipped off of a stump that was maybe a foot wide, and he got the extra skip. Otherwise, he was spiking. Lazat to answer. Long right for Simon, but a makeable punt. There's no way. I mean, he yeah. has to lay this up. What a sickening position for Burridge. Oh. And now this will put it all, of course, on Simon. And Simon's going to have to keep his nerves calm. What Burridge did is exactly what he should have done in that situation. Simon Lazat for the win at the 2022 Truebank Des Moines Challenge. Yeah! And he does it. Simon Lazat, a three-time champion on the Pro Tour in 2022. Truebank Des Moines Challenge presented by Dispatch Champion, Simon Lazat. Simon Lazat birdied eight of the final He claimed earlier in the year that he didn't know when he could do this again, and now he's done it twice since then. Lazat, the three-time Pro Tour champion in 2022. Right here, guys. Right here. That's the CEO of True Bank. Presenting sponsor, or title sponsor, I should say. Series victory this year. I'm going to let you catch your breath a little bit. First off, look at all these people around you that have been chanting your name all week. What do you have to say to these people? It's almost like too nice. Like Iowa has been just such a treat. I think it's my first time here ever playing disc golf. And I felt super welcome. Thank you. And uh, it's throwing the disc so much better than all of us. So I was like, if he's going to win, he totally deserved it. He got screwed on this freaking tree stump right there. I want to get rid of that just for him because that was rude. I hate when that kind of stuff happens, but that's part of the game. But no, huge shout out to him. He was an amateur last year, so that was an unbelievable battle. Yeah, he birdied eight of the final nine holes that he played including that final putt. And I said it right at the end of the round, Simon Lazat earned every ounce of that championship. But what you see on the flip side of that is Robert Burridge, who earned every inch of his position as well. And I think Simon said it perfectly. That's just the way the game is. He did nothing wrong and neither did Simon. At the end of the day, somebody has to take the trophy. I am extremely proud of both of those guys. And uh, I am just so happy for Simon. I, I just, I, I'm a little bit emotional to be completely honest because he um, just, that's why we do sports is for those moments to play against each other, to have those moments and to have those feelings. Uh, I can't wait to see Robert Burridge in the future, but boy, I am just so proud of Simon. Three pro tours in a year. He was struggling to win one a season a couple of years ago. So, so happy for Simon. So yeah, just an absolutely incredible battle in that playoff, a four hole playoff between Simon and Robert Burridge. 
just show it comes to show that even amateurs can prove something in this uh, on this disc golf pro tour it was really cool to watch but uh, just going into some of the numbers as we heard simon win uh, let's start with robert burge for the mpo Everybody watching the Action Sunday surely had the same thought. Who the heck is Robert Bird? At 10.09 rated, he is the 2021 U.S. Amateur Champion and the 2022 College Disc Golf Singles National Champion. Robert came out to Indianola with just three ES events under his belt and nearly did the unimaginable. Bird actually had a putt to win on the first playoff hole but missed it wide. And had it not been for any unfortunate skip off a tree stump upon a playoff hole, things have Things may have played out differently. Bird just won his first A-tier back in May of this year and the best finish on the Elite Series prior to Des Moines was 42nd at Deaglow. He averaged the highest event rating of his career at 1057, finishing fifth strokes and gained putting and only carded three bogeys on the entire weekend. Uh, finishing in third place, was uh, tied for third place was Kevin Jones with Emerson Keith. In Des Moines, Emerson was able to claim his first and only ES podium finish since the 2020 Dynamic Disc Open. He finished third in Holes Park, third in C1 in regulation, and gained the seventh most strokes from Tita Green. Keith also parked a very difficult hole three for birdie in two out of the three rounds. No other player was able to park it more than once. If there's a downside to his performance, it's that he made zero C2 putts in 10 attempts, a skill that has become critical in order to win at an elite level. Um, Kevin Jones. A little resurgence for hashtag Jump Out Jones, whose C2 putting has continued to fall off since his excellent 2020 season. At Des Moines, KJ led the field putting from C2 at 60%. His C1X putting, however, ranked 101st at 74%. A sixth best strokes gained T to green paired with the long range putts helped Kevin earn his second ES podium finish this season in his third highest Elite Series event rating. He has now moved into seventh place in the Disco Pro Tour, standing for many in the top eight, would earn him a bye to the semifinals at the DGPT Championship. <clears throat> and then last one, Joel Freeman. Joel Freeman is a very solid all-around player, and his stats from Des Moines reflect that. Nothing jumps out as exceptional, but there's no grandly weak aspect to his performance either. Limiting OB strokes and bogey is usually a recipe for success, and Joel did a great job of that. He just didn't have that one big round, one big hot round to put himself in winning contention. And now we'll go with the women, starting with second-place winner, Evelina Salahan. <clears throat> Statistically speaking, Evelina's putting at Des Moines wasn't all that great, and yet she had a few confident strokes that made it feel a bit less shaky than it's been at times this season. She finished second in strokes, gained Tita Green behind Kristen and carded a bogey-free final round. Once again, she led the field in scramble percentage, which speaks volumes to how good her scramble shots are when you consider the subpar putting. The difference maker ended up being the difficult hole three, which Salahan Played five strokes worse than Dattar over three rounds. Evelina now sits right on the play in bubble at 15th, and she should easily break into the top 14 before the Tour Championship comes around. Despite coming up short, she still earned her first podium finish on the Elite Series this season and her highest rated Elite Series event since winning the 2020 Waco Annual Charity Open. <clears throat> um, Macy Bella Diaz, finishing fifth in strokes, gained Tita Green and posting a career high 979 event rating. Macy has now moved to 17th in the DGPT standings. While this is her third career podium finish in an Elite Series event, it is actually her first at a Disc Golf Pro Tour event. Macy has never placed the GM, played the GMC <coughs> excuse me, or the MVP Open, but if she makes a trip, she could easily move into the top 14 and secure a spot at the Tour Championship. 
Um, and then last but certainly not least, Paige Pierce. It was just not a great showing from Paige Pierce, who led the field in birdies but racked up 10 bogeys, 3 doubles, a triple, and 9 OB strokes. Page led the field in C1 in regulation with second in fairway hits and third in C2 in regulation. She finishes 21st in putting and was only able to convert on four of 15 scramble attempts. This is now Pierce's seventh missed podium finish on the Elite Series, more than any other season in her career. So, a lot of uh, very unpage like things happening from Paige Pierce, but um, overall it was a super good, um, great tournament that weekend. Um, and to hear more about his four-hole playoff with Simon Lazat and the experience that he had not only making it to that stage, but also being able to compete at the highest level against one of the best in the world. Here And here to talk about it, here is Mr. Robert Burge. Robert Burge. What's up, man? Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you fine. All right, we can hear you nice and wonderfully. Where are you at right now, Rob? I am at a Starbucks about 10 hours away from Des Moines right now. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I think first thing we got to ask, is it Robert, Rob, Bob, what do you like to be called? <laughs> Usually I'm just called uh, called Robert, but I've gone by any variation of, uh, of the name. Okay, so if, if that's mostly what people call you, then I just want to make sure, because we've had people on where we're like, you want to get their name right, obviously. So Robert, incredible, yeah. incredible last weekend over at Des Moines. That was an incredible show you put on. Incredible playoff run to almost take down your first Elite Series event. Kind of just give us the the highs and lows of the weekend. Talk to us about it. Um, I didn't really have any lows, I guess, starting there. I guess the biggest low I had was the skip off the tree stump, but even that was just, mm-hmm. just a bad break. Um, highs, you know, hitting the putt on three in the playoff, hitting the putt on 18 to force the playoff. Um, being able to push Simon to have to have to make the putt on four. Um, and just, you know, solid playing all around. I didn't realize I was seven down through nine in the final round. That was, that was a nice surprise when I look back. Um, but you know, Simon played equally as good that last round, you know, he, and he did end up, you know, beating me. He deserved it, and it was it was just fun to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Matt, Evan, do you guys want to? <laughs> oh, I was I was gonna let you guys pitch in. Oh, well, I'll keep well, going. Ben, ben was texting me like, "How do I make his resolution better?" Yep. <laughs> Anyways, so here I am. I think I figured it out. Robert, great to great to meet you this way. I just took a flight and landed. I'm on the road as well, but I had to get on for this interview. I was really impressed. I apologize for the audio. Matt Graham is uh, play going up against Simon, who doing uh, has a he's not at the booth, so he's and kind of static. You have some some as well, and I think what stands out to me the most, besides the consistent play to that point, was the playoff, and even more specifically, because we all saw how the first two went down, hole three. What was going through your mind on that putt? Was it like, I make this or it's over? Is that what you were thinking? I was, you know, I was thinking I can run this as hard as I want, knowing that uh, I probably wasn't going to roll OB unless I took some bad kick, bad roll. Um, I also knew Simon didn't have a, didn't have a gimme. I'd say it was probably 70, 70, 30 that he'd make it. So I, I gave it the best run I could, snuck it in the in the bottom left corner, and 
you know, gave myself a chance for the win, but Simon canned it, and I was just, you know, fair play on to the next hole. All right, yeah, and by the way, your name, Robert, my middle name's Robert, and uh, I think it's a special name, so keep up the good work. <laughs> uh, All right. But to continue on the whole three putt, uh, it, it was a tough putt, and I'm sure as soon as you let go, you're like, okay, kind of let's see how this goes. But when did you know it was in? You kind of had a body movement about halfway through. I, I called an athletic crunch. I don't know what to call it, but you kind of <laughs> you kind of squatted, and you're like – to me, that was like you knew it was in at that point, kind of at the halfway point of the flight of the putt. But when did you know? So I think going back to hole 12 as well, I – pretty much the same reaction um, on a jump putt where I jumped it and I was like, that has about, that's probably going in, but there's still a chance it won't. So I'm not going to run it in quite yet. Um, but I was, you know, out of my hand, I was, I was fairly sure it was going to hit some sort of metal and probably go in. Mm -hmm. um, I just, you know, there was a chance it wouldn't. So I didn't want to run in yet. There you go. Talk to me. Talk to me about what clicked this last weekend. Uh, we were talking earlier in the show of Ledgestone. You had missed cast at Ledgestone, and then literally a one-week turnaround. You go and almost win an Elite Series event. Just talk to us. What you know? What clicked this weekend? So this weekend it was uh, it was the driving. You know, at Ledgestone, I just couldn't get off the tee, but I was putting really well. Mm -hmm. um, and I just sort of carried that over and played a little, a little more free, knowing that once I got near the basket, I could make it from, from almost anywhere. And I think I ended top. I know I ended top, top ten in uh, strokes gained putting. So that was, that was the game plan: was get near it and make some putts. Okay, is my audio better, guys? Way better. Yes. Yep. There we go. Okay win for the iPhone. Hey, Robert, do you feel shafted or slighted or just like super unlucky with that stump on the whole four playoff? You know, it's, I feel really unlucky. I feel uh, more unlucky that it skipped behind a tree to where I couldn't really run it. Um, but it's how, it's how it works sometimes. And, you know, Maybe next time I'll I'll hit the side of the stump and kick next to the basket. Who knows? Has anybody has anybody questioned your laying up that shot yet? I've seen some comments on Instagram. What but do you think? It was if I ran that putt, it was going to be in the water because I I wasn't really going to make it with the angle I had to throw it on. Mm -hmm. um, so I you know just thought I'll park it and make Simon have to make a putt. I was just about to say, like, if you had to give yourself a possibility or, you know, a percentage chance of that putt going in, whether you had to hyzer it and hyzer it, like, what's your percentage of making that putt? Based on how I was feeling, I'd probably, I could probably make it about 15, 20% of the time, but the other 80%, it's rolling into the water. I was just about to say, so if you're aggressively making, trying to make that putt, like, no matter what, you're probably going to go OB if you miss it in a sense. So yeah, we, exactly. we were talking about that earlier, like, you know, almost where you, I, I think you made the right play. And I think a majority of people would agree with that. I think kind of in the position that you were in now, if you had a, you know, a wide open putt and you laid it up, then people could be like, Oh my gosh, why didn't he go for it? Cause of the water, but like you had an obstructed putt, it wasn't a clean chance at it. You made the right play by laying it up. 
Um, people who are saying otherwise, I think, you know, just don't really know what it's like to be in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, would if if you had ran it and went to B, do you feel like this loss would hurt a little bit more, or do you think the way you played it makes it kind of like you put the you put the ball in Simon's court to where he needs to make that putt, and he just made it on that last shot. You know what I mean? Um, I think it hurts. I think it hurts less the way that it ended. You know, it really, you know, if Simon was within 15, 20 feet and I laid it up, then it would have hurt more because I know he's making that every time. Um, the way he was putting, he was probably going to make the putt he had every time. Yeah. But, you know, um, if I had ran it and gone OB, Simon would have just laid up since there is there's danger around that basket and I wanted to make him have to make a throw. Yeah. Well, talk to us about just really quick. Talk to us. You know, you were an amateur last year is what people are kind of telling me. And then you're a pro mm-hmm. this year. You're accepting cash. You're playing great. You have an A-tier win. You've got a second place at an Elite Series event, which is insane. Um, talk to us about kind of what, what are your goals and ambitions in the disc golf world? So, you know, this year uh, through collegiates and this tournament, if I didn't get that, I plan on going to USDGC. I plan on going to Worlds, um, attempting to win uh, the PDJ Rookie of the Year, um, get some eight, get some more uh, A-tier wins, get some good finishes at more Elite Series and Majors, but next year I'll be on, on tour full time. Um, and we'll just see where it goes from there. Mm-hmm. So you were sitting in about 150 something in the disc golf pro tour standings with the second place finish. You're up to 71, which means you are in a spot to play in GMC, but you're still outside a spot for MVP open. Uh, besides going for the win, was that on your mind, uh, that you wanted to get in a position to play the playoff events? So I had absolutely no idea that I would even get a chance to, no matter how I played, because I've played two, three events, maybe, on the on the tour at this point. Like, I really haven't played insanely well either. Um, I also don't know if I'll be able to with school, so it really wasn't on my mind as a, you know, shoot well and you can do this type thing. Mm-hmm. So you're still in college right now? I am, yes. How many more years do you have? I graduate in December. Gotcha. Okay, all right. So you're on the back end. You're finishing up your, like December of this year? Yeah, December of this year. Nice. And then plans afterwards? You know, Are you pursuing your major, whatever you're doing now, or are you pursuing the disc golf full-time? I'm going to go on tour for a year, and we'll make a decision based on that. Nice. Good for you. That's awesome. I at least give it at least one Thank go with it. That's awesome. So, yeah, it, and knowing what school you, you go to is a pretty easy choice because I can just look at you winning the uh, collegiate uh, disc, golf, disc golf national championship, excuse me. So you go to Michigan. Uh, talk to us about just disc golf at Michigan, like how you joined the team. Was that kind of when you started playing disc golf? Did you know when you're going to the school you were already going to join the team? Can I explain through that? So going before I even went to college, really, I had a um, – I think I started kind of getting a little bit better at disc golf. I started playing back in 2017, so kind of back end of high school. 
Um, and so I was starting to play more seriously and I started the club with a couple other guys. Um, and then I was part of that and I was part of the ultimate team and just disc sports kind of became my life besides school. Mm -hmm. All right. I, I'm still here. I know they try to cut me out because I'm on the road now, but, <laughs> but, uh, so ultimate came up a few times, like during the live feed and all that. And I'm not going to lie. I didn't know very much about you. I may have heard your name and, it, but you obviously made a big splash. Tell, tell everyone about it. Like ultimate was your thing. And then you discovered disc golf or how did that work? So both my parents played ultimate, uh, at pretty high levels. Um, so I've been able to throw a disc, at least an ultimate disc, pretty much my whole life. Um, and then I think I started playing disc golf again, like 2017-ish. Um, but I never really did either one competitively. And I guess I became more of a disc golfer before I became an ultimate player. Okay, cool. Absolutely. And um, I think you said your parents did that, so... Was that something they did when they were younger too? I mean, we had just interviewed like John Kirkland and Cody Kirkland recently, and Cody's like been really into Ultimate. Is this something they've been doing for a long time? So you grew up with it. Yeah. So when I was really young, I remember going to, um, going to watch my mom at like the World Championships for Ultimate. Like wow. they played at really high levels. Um, I remember just sort of being on the sideline and watching, watching it sort of go down and it was you know it was an experience and we got to travel to a few different places for it and it was it was a lot of fun um, but I've just been around this sort of spirit of the game type culture the like always wish the best for your opponent type culture my whole life wow uh really cool and I'll I'll give this last one and then toss it back over to the show is uh you were you're sponsored on Team Innova. Um, is that something that happened? You said 2017 you picked up disc golf, but or again or more fully. But what when was the team sponsorship thing happen for you? So I won the 2021 United States Amateur Championships, and basically less than a month after that, I was in contact with Innova to become part of the team. Cool. All right, guys, tossing it back to you for now. Um, my next question was, we were kind of talking about it right as you got on the show. And then for some other reason, we didn't extend the conversation. But talk to us on the lead card about the Mando situation that kind of happened and what ultimately led to the decision that was decided. And I guess, how do you feel about that rule? So before I say anything else, we did... You know, we looked at it as best we could, and based on the rules, uh, Simon was in the restricted space, even though I know on the card, and I talked to a couple of the other players, we all think it's not necessarily the best rule. Um, and it should probably be changed back. Mm -hmm. That's not something for me to decide. Um, so what happened was he hit the left side Mando, he kicked through the Mando and that's what he was asking on the tee was did I make it and we we're like yeah you kicked through it but whatever stroke of probably another tree branch it kicked him back behind the arrow the problem was the arrow was curved and about three feet long 
And so we were just trying to decide what part of the air to go from and to. Mm-hmm. And so I think we ended up going from where the painted arrow starts to the tip, even though it was even though it was curved, and we couldn't give it to him based on that. Now, from when you guys decided how to interpret the arrow, uh, and you kind of had your direction based off that, was it was it pretty close, or was it kind of obvious if that was the right plane to go off of? So I think if they're going to make restricted space, they have to kind of as y'all were saying before I got on, they have to like make it way more clear, at least for some distance. Um, at least like if anything else, just flags, maybe not paint. Yeah. Um, but based on how we interpreted it, the only way it could be Simon's disc could have been in was if we used the first maybe like half foot of painted line um, to determine direction, but then it curved toward the basket, I guess is the best way to describe it, and away from his disc, and so we couldn't give it to him based on the full full arrow. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So definitely a weird situation, and, you know, it kind of came down to where Jeff Spring had to come over and kind of either second the call or kind of officially call it to where, you know, his he missed the Mando at that point, right? He, he definitely, like, we were talking to him about how the rules should be interpreted, how we should look at the arrow. And it really, there is no clear and obvious way to interpret it, but we had to make a call one way or another. Mm-hmm. And based on all of our interpretations of the rule, we, we couldn't quite give it to him. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, I guess my final question is, on a scale one to ten, how do you rate the outcome of like, like, how do you rate the outcome of your weekend in a sense? Like, um, I, you know, I'd have to give it probably like an eleven or twelve. I okay. don't really care that I didn't win. Okay. Um, you know, I'm sure you can see it on the live video. You can see it on Joe Mez. You can see it in the photos. I was having the time of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because I am, you know, if you look back at some of the, some of the other, other coverage I've been in, I do enjoy kind of being sort of a showman as well, kind of showing the crowd, like, look, I can hang with these guys. Look, I can throw really far. I can putt well. You know, it's sort of one of those things that I really enjoy being on camera because it gives me a little extra, extra boost, a little extra adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having that opportunity and, and capitalizing it was really really fun and this is you know the best best i've ever played at a at any tournament ever Mm -hmm. nice that's awesome definitely a better answer than i thought it was going to be so that's great all right so i'm going to stop it there but just hearing a little bit from robert bird talking about his experience at des moines with playing with simon and all that and the fact that he is saying even though he didn't take the win down he is still probably one of his favorite moments of his career was the fact that he got to do all that. So super cool to hear from him. And I can't wait to see what the future holds for this kid. All right, guys, I'm getting a little starting to get really late here. It's already on my time here. I've already passed 1230 in the morning, but I'm going to quickly move on to the big tournament of the year. And that is the 2022 um, PGA world championships. And as everybody knows from last year, 
Um, we had a lot go down last year. Um, we saw what it possibly looked like. Um, Paul Macbeth was going to win his sixth title. Same thing with Paige, win her sixth. And everything was looking like it was going that. It looked like Paige was, Paige was the head of Katrina Allen by like a stroke going into the final two holes. And this is how it went down last year for the FPO at the 2021 World Championships. Um, on the last two holes, just give me one quick second so I can set it up. <clears throat> but the endings to both of these divisions was absolutely incredible. And if you have not gotten the chance to watch Worlds last year, please, for the love of God, go watch that on Joe Mesbro. Um, sorry, one second. Nope, sorry, give me one second. Trying to find it. Let's see if I can get it. Sorry. Do, 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 do. Right, here is hole 17 last year. Holes left to play. Yep, Pages has a two-stroke lead. Can't you hold on? Hole 17, part four is up next. 490 feet. It's a tight fairway off the tee. Players are going to throw something straight, looking to land about right here, maybe a little bit to the left. That left side opens up a big hyzer. There's a couple lanes to get to the pin from here. You can either take this center gap or the big hyzer around the outside. That's the play. Let's, let's see if they can execute a very pressure-packed situation for our lead card. Yeah, Paige's got to just play conservative here, get her pars. And this is a birdieable hole, but she's got two strokes, so she's got room. Yeah, it feels like she pars out. And room to throw a shot like oh. that. Unfortunately, that is a difficult lie. That's going to hurt her chances of parring out. Katrina, door is slightly open again. M4. Beautiful. Wow, that late turn. No! Oh, too much late turn. I thought it was past that one already. Kicks her left, but I don't think she's pinched. I think she can still get that big hyzer from that position. Tatar? Going with her claymore. Ooh. Oh. oh, another late kick. <laughs> these trees are just not, hey, it's a world championship. Trees right? are supposed to let these through. <laughs> Go easy on them. Lisa Fake is setting her sights. Looking like Roadrunner. Oh no, CD CD two. Yeah, she's loving that she's thing. She's been throwing that all all round. Also catches a tree. No clean shots off the off, off the box. Paige throwing her second two eighty six to the basket. Just rips it from an awkward position, and now she's in another awkward position. <laughs> but thankfully closer to the basket, looks like 100-ish, maybe a little more. A couple hundred, maybe. Yeah. Lisa Fakus throwing two. Keep Turn, coasting. maybe. Keep coasting over there. Ooh, pencil trees. Ooh, yeah. it's really tough over there. Yeah, it's very guarded. And Katrina so forced she, to go to the ooh. stretch out forehand. So she did go really far left. Has that F7 again. Okay, floaty little touch shot. That was saucy. Yeah, pretty far outside the circle. Oh, man, really far. Yeah. We're talking 70 feet, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I buy that. Tatar throwing her second. She still has a chance for birdie. Yeah, she does. That'll be oh. still outside the circle, but a clean look. Paige throwing three. Would love an up and down par right now. <gasps> what? Oh, no. A misthrow. Leaving her a long look for par. 
She is gonna take a bogey. Uh-oh. Okay. Might be looking at a one-stroke lead with one to play. And 18 as a hole, you really want some cushion, Sarah. I mean, you want some cushion on all of these holes, so no matter what, <laughs> this is just gonna be exciting. Even with two strokes, 18 is not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. All right, Katrina lays up for par. She will grab a stroke of the leader and go one back with one to play. Vegas? Whoa, it's open. She was so far. It's open. <laughs> oh, I didn't right. know it was open over there. Maybe I, I just need to throw at the at the building next time. Or maybe bounce it off it, right? Right? Ricochet? Yeah. Did you see Paul play the fence shot yesterday? I didn't. Yeah. Oh, Threw it right at the fence to bounce it off and go the other way. Oh, my gosh. It was, it was an incredible shot. Paige tapping in a bogey to lose a stroke and a little bit of a cushion going into this final hole. Looking to grab her sixth world title. Cat trying to grab number two. That's right. We'll see who snags it. I was looking like we might have a one-time champion, Lisa Fakus, there for a, for a minute. but She'll um, have to wait for next year. Yeah, ref found some late trouble. Tina, full reach back. It looked great for so long, but found that kind of late tree. Managed to grab a par, full 18. Looks like she might need more than a par to catch Paige, though. She will, and this is one of the hardest birdies on the course. Par 4, 578 feet as the crow flies, but plays more like 700 feet as the uh, disc flies. Players are going to want to lay land over throw over the water and then land by this road and further left the better because it'll open up the shot to the green as we get to this middle part of the fairway that is kind of thermometer shaped and very skinny only about 50 or 60 feet wide to this bubble of a green almost everything is ob all around the circle and i cannot wait to see this whole plate it is a great finishing hole. Let's see how our card finishes on it. Katrina Allen has the box after the par on the last. Going D2 off the tee. Ripping it right at those trees. Doesn't quite get the fade left, but she's very far, and she has probably 400 feet to the pin. Tatar looking to close out her tournament. Huge pump. There this is. is the left carry you're looking for. There is OB left over there. And oh. she found it. <sighs> Unfortunate way to end her tournament. CD2 from Lisa. With a nice flex coming through those trees. That was great. Great shot. And Lisa kind of has third place pretty locked up at this point, I want to say. Yeah, there's not anybody really close to her. Haley actually is coming up right now to kind of contend with what Tatar is doing on as the fourth spot. Huge shot for Pierce. Paige throws a beautiful shot. That looks onto like the road. exactly what she needed off the tee. Absolutely. Gosh, what are we going to see next? So we well, Paige needs to play conservative. She needs to pitch around the corner and then pitch up to the basket. And we got to, Alan's got to go for this. And she's, she's had that shot. We saw it before. If anybody can do it, Katrina can. Yeah, she has that beautiful turnover flex shot. Lisa Just... pitching around the Mando. Kind of a little short, close to the line, but she's good. Right. Nope, sorry, guys. Give me one second. It just decided to not work. Right. There we go. Safe. I don't know what's doing.
Kristen, she'll be throwing three after the OB drive. Well, she's got a driver in her hand. She must be going for the green. Yeah, it looks like her royal grace from the drop zone. It says 400 feet to the pin. Wow, this, this looks fantastic. awesome. Needs to get right. Come get on. Come yeah. on. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Gallery and spotter up here. Shot. high, 400-foot effortless sidearm. That was sick. Wow, she has so much power. Huge okay. shot, Thank Katrina you. Allen. F7. Big turn. Oh, my gosh. It looks good. Turn, turn, turn. Start Stay fading. turning. Stay turning. Uh-oh. Oh, no. She, I mean, she's, she makes this cut. She ties for the lead and going into a pick So does So Paige, does she go for this shot to she's try a, to secure? No, she doesn't. Look at her. She's lining up a putter. Yeah. She was in great position to do it if she wanted to, but, but I, I think this is the right play. And Kat's got to make a big putt. I mean, a 32-footer. In a nervy situation. Absolutely. You know, this, this feels like the odds. So Paige putting the pressure on... Well, actually, Kat putting the pressure on Paige. Right. Now, Paige has to execute this 230 feet or so Up with the fierce. For their sixth <gasps> world title. This doesn't look good. What? Oh, no. And she's like just a couple Red feet from getting flag. back in bounds. <gasps> that must have been the most, the easiest, most difficult shot she's ever had. And now Paige, she has to make that next shot to even force Katrina to cut. I don't know. I can't believe what I just witnessed. Paige leaving herself 230 and then missing the shot. Now she has 55 to the pin. Oh, the there are her world championship chances, Sarah. Wow. You can just feel her pain. All oh, right the emotion now. she's got to be feeling. I can't even imagine the emotion this lady's about to feel winning her second world championship. Wow. And it, she doesn't even have to make this. And it, yeah, she's going to lay it up. In, in such dramatic fashion. This was wow, incredible. Katrina just holding on and putting the pressure on Paige by putting that shot inbounds on her second. Just incredible. Total world champion play right there from Kat. Yeah, I mean, just amazing shot. Tatar, four par. Oh, that would have been a great par save to end her mm. tournament. I think she got a little noise in the background on that one. Well, with the thousand, thousands of people out there, Lisa making good on the par, showing off her cutting skills. The greatest finish to her tournament in like the last couple of holes. Just the one hole, really. Yeah, yeah that's just true. Just the one hole. But a really good tournament. Yeah. Something to really build on for going forward in, in next world championship. She's got what it takes. Tatar saving bogey. Ooh, she gets out of here in fourth. Haley King comes up with a nice round from the chase card and cat, you know, he just, there's no containing that kind of an emotion. Right. And Paige Pierce for double bogey. To finish as the runner-up. The first time she's done that. And here is your 2021 world champion, Katrina Allen. Two-time. Congratulations, Katrina Allen. She has worked so hard. She's been on the road since 2010. She grabbed the 2014 world title, and here she is getting her second seven years later. Boyfriend Austin Hano, that's her mom right there, too. So cool. 
just heartwarming. And she has the tenacity, so much tenacity. Hey, there's a Sarah Hoka. <laughs> I got the third hug. Yeah, <laughs> tenacity, discipline, you name it. And look at that trophy. That is going on the mantle. That's sick. Yeah. What a tournament, Sarah. I just am so impressed. So exciting. So it was a pretty incredible uh, final round. Um, saw Paige having a two-stroke lead going into hole 17. Lost a stroke on 17, only to lose two on hole 18. It sucks. I mean, I'm a huge Katrina Allen fan, but my God, was that unfortunate. And you never want to lose like that. I feel really bad for her. Here was the final, I guess we want to play the final hole because... The final hole is the one we really need to care about because that also leads with the playoff. And just when we thought Paul McBeth was going in on his sixth world title, James Conrad had what could be considered the best shot in disc golf history. Here's how it went down. Sorry, guys. Let me... Oh, sorry guys, I'm trying. I am trying, guys. Here's the Thank final. you. It was a good week. Uh, you could say that again. Said he. I'll say it. What a week. <laughs> what a week for you, Nate. Full 18. Oh my goodness. Very impressive. Nate, what do we got? Par 4, 650. Macbeth up first. A big drive here could really put a lot of pressure on James. It's so important to have the drive in the right spot. You have nothing. You can't. You cannot manufacture it from the edge of the water. You need to push this up, up and left. If Paul keeps this inbounds, James has to birdie. Looks a little heavy on the hyzer. This needs to get Sit. down quickly. Sit. 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 Oh my goodness. Wow. And not only does it sit, it puts him in a position where he can see the basket. So if James does a good shot here, Paul can elect to go for the basket. James has to put one in perfect position. I've seen so many shots not get the sit, sit that he did and push out out of bounds left. Okay. Miss the trees. Miss the trees. Miss. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Oh, sit. He stays in bounds, but I cannot imagine that he has a play for the green. No chance. There's no chance from there. That gives Paul the opportunity to just play it safe now. Calvin, a similar shot, but this looks like it's going to get through, and it does, and it's going to get to the road and across the road. A beautiful shot. Haven't seen one better. Yeah, that's... That's awesome. That's what James needed right there. And Kevin, that is a good spot. That's going to be 320 feet. Tough angle, though. He's going to have to push that with a lot of hyzer, understable disc, hugging the mandatory. So James, oh, he's just laying up. He's just going to lay up. I thought maybe he'd have to 
do some sort of big roller or sky anheuser, do something crazy. And again, this is a tough layup. Like, this isn't easy. There's out-of-bounds everywhere. There is a mandatory pull that you have to get past, especially with James being a backhand predominant player. And that's a little short, too. I'm sure he'd like another 15, 20 feet. It's going to be a slightly obstructed shot from there, but it's... Yeah, and he's been throwing that hyzer stall very nicely. He's not going to be able to do that on this next shot. And Macbeth clear to just lay up now. Kevin. Wow, keep wow. It in and he does wow. I, I love this young man, Kevin Jones. I mean, how can you not? This guy is just positive energy and great disc golf. So no need for Macbeth to do anything outside of this right here. Put all the pressure on James to throw the shot of his life. And just like I said, it comes down to little upshots, right? Being in control. Calvin Heimberg first after maybe the best drive of the tournament on hole 18. Just a little chipper. I mean, he's looking right at it. That's, That's where layups go. Insane. Wow. And uh, he's going to finish the Worlds in a great way with a birdie on 18. Nothing decided yet. Weird things happen. What was that? This is a tight little green. Yeah, yeah. Both of these players need to execute now. Super tough shot. James, 252 to Greatest the pin. Greatest moment in disc golf history. It's got to go in. I mean, he's got to he's got to get it around the corner and get it inbounds, no matter what. No. No! No! Oh my God! My goodness! Oh my God! That is why you dream, folks. That is why dreams do come true right there. Unbelievable. <laughs> Sex and women. What words do you have? It has to be the best shot I've ever seen. I mean, if you account for the moment, account for the states. Oh my god. I mean, we're going, this, is, this is, in all likelihood, we're going to a playoff. Paul still has to get up and down. Like, now all Oh, there's never been this amount of pressure on one person to get up and down from 200 feet ever. Hey, Paul has done, I, I've lost my voice. Paul has done everything exactly. He has had the lead the entire time. And he's thrown every shot exactly how he's needed to. And he's made every putt. And he's stepped up to the scenario that he needed to every time. And it's still came down to James throwing in from 250 blind around the corner. He was looking into the sun. He couldn't even see the basket. Paul can't see the basket. This is not a gimme. I cannot believe what I just saw. Go. Okay. Okay. It's the greatest shot I've ever seen. It's the greatest shot of all time. It's the greatest shot of all time. I can't even believe it. It's the bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, two outs. It's more. It's game bigger. seven in the World Series. It's bigger with a grand slam. I mean, it's more unlikely than hitting a home run. It's more. It's bigger. That's crazy. 
him. Paul knocks us down. Guess what, guys? Play it. Highland hole. Hole 16, hole 17, hole 18 on a loop. And Paul's knocking us down. Yeah, I mean, there's not. There's what we've got. We're not done. We are not done. No, not even close. Think about the putts Paul just made in our. In a row, just to put him in position to where he can just lay up for the win. And then James says, No, I'm not done. He couldn't see the pin. He's holding his disc up to shield his eyes from the sun. I can't even imagine what's going through Paul's mind right now. Uh, he, I mean, he's done everything right. You got to know that he's uh, Kevin Jones. What a birdie. What a finish. What a champion. It's not his year this year, but man, this guy, his story is not written, and neither is this event. We've got more holes to play at the 2021 World Championships. Look at the card. We need everybody to stay here. The finish, the close from Macbeth and Conrad. Unreal on the court on this back nine. James Conrad acing hole 16 early in the week. This is now Conrad's corner. This is... This, this is, this is his rounds right now. We're going to give them 10 minutes to get their scores finalized, recorded, and then the playoff, we're going to play holes 16, 17, and 18 in succession until we have a winner. Right. Sudden death. Pure bedlam, folks. I need everybody to clear the fairways, please. Good luck with that. Yeah. Everyone listen. Please, <laughs> Please remain calm. Uh, impossible to do. Impossible to do. That is a moment that every single person that just witnessed that in person will never forget. And we're here. Top of the hill. Hole 16. Calm conditions. <clears throat> and once again, Conrad going for the riskier shot. That tree comes in play. But it comes in soft, and that is so important. I'm scared for Conrad. This is way more difficult than the sidearm play. And not looks... for James. Apparently not for James. <laughs> Look at it. It's coming back. Oh, so perfect. He's parked. This man is made out of what it takes. Oh, my goodness. Can't Paul step up one more time? Going forehand. Looks good. Yep. Just, just check the, on the green. Just says calling it to sit. Oh, no. no way. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. James Conrad is going to be the world champion. Yeah, it's over. Oh I my mean, gosh. Paul has Paul has 80 feet for par. James is 10 feet. It's over. Oh Unbelievable finish to throw in from 250 feet to force it to park it, but all the pressure on Paul. Unfortunately, he does push long into the water and James Conrad is going to win the 2021 PDGA World Championship. And honestly, Paul's disc had no chance to stop. That had too much juice from the get-go. That wasn't a bad break. That it didn't hit, roll in. It didn't, it didn't roll, roll in. It, it was going all in. The way. Yeah, it was going in no matter what. James plays the better shot, the stall shot. Nothing could happen except for he was going to be parked. <sighs> What a moment. What 
what a chapter in the history of disc golf has just been written. And this is just a formality. And, and whether you're watching this for the first time or you're watching this on repeat for the 30th time, I hope you understand the magnitude of this, sh- of this moment, of what just took place in the last 20 minutes. Just low, and James has nothing left to do but walk up here on legs made out of jello <laughs> and try to tap in uh, to become world champion. Paul with the fist bump because yeah. all he can say is hats off. You earned it. You are the world champion. There it is. Uh, chills. The things that this man overcame this year, switching companies, learning these discs, he has them absolutely dialed. And look at the celebration with his best friends. Paul with another tap on the back and a smile from him as well. You know what six means for Paul, for him to be able to celebrate or give James the, the, the props that he just deserved. It shows a lot about Paul's medal. <laughs> he just takes a big oh. old chug. Oh, that has never tasted so good. <laughs> Look at this trophy. 50 pounds. The bell. The champion, James Conrad. Now has a USDGC title and a world title. This man has now put himself as one of the best disc golfers of all time. And the crowd knows it. Enjoy the Hall of Fame in 10, 15 years, buddy. (laughs) Incredible stuff. Wow. One of five players ever to win the U.S. title and the world title. Wow, yeah, it was a, such a fun day. I had such a great card out there. Paul McBeth, such a great competitor. I'm, I'm honored to compete with him and Kevin and Calvin, such great great humans to be playing disc golf with. And yeah, just so much fun today. To, to be able to make that shot from maybe 200 feet on 18, still almost doesn't doesn't feel real, you know? Like I saw it going, but it's still like hard to even believe. It was it's what I was trying to do and it worked. Like I said, the crowd was so spectacular today. It, just the energy from you all was just amazing. Like, it, it's the best feeling in the world to, to feel that much love from that many people at once. So thank you all again. There were probably some nerves nerves in play. Um, and then also, it was it was really tight back there. You know, the, some of those opening holes, like, I, I felt a little claustrophobic on the tee pad, and it was hard for me to really just get calm and, and get into, into my own rhythm. And then I started just stepping a little further away from the group and everything and started to calm down and started to really get my tee shots on point, and that's what allowed me to start coming back. Yeah, I wasn't trying to build up too much of a story in my head. I was just trying to focus everything I had on each shot that I was throwing, and it was able to work out pretty well for me. I just want to keep having fun keep playing disc golf and hopefully keep playing well it's a blast everybody watching in the gallery to the tens of thousands of people watching online right now give your shout outs the stage is yours give a huge shout out to my tour family and my friends my girlfriend jordan like their, their support they just really lift me up all the time and it's amazing that 
amazing what you all can do for me. I want to give a huge shout out to my family back in Virginia. They're also some of my biggest supporters on the planet. I'm sure they're watching in Blacksburg. Love you, mom and dad. Yeah, I mean, huge shout out to MVP. They, they really started taking care of me this year, and they, they make some great discs. So, thank you. sweat I see tears I see champagne he's got it all right now Ugh. I've seen a lot of sporting events in my life I've been there I've seen it on TV this is the best moment I have ever seen in all of sports in my life stands alone. and I am lucky to be seven. here with you guys here in the booth I feel privileged Ugh. I am now speechless please take over Chase. Goosebumps, chills, nine under, seven down in the back nine. He was over par at one point in this round and did every single thing he could. He scratched, he clawed, he threw the best shot in disc golf history. And I can't wait for this to be on. I want to watch it over and over again. Check Sports Center because that's where this one's going. Incredible stuff. Thank you, everyone. Thank you to the volunteers. Thank you to Grip Six. Thank you to the Utah team. Thank you to the PDGA. So just an absolutely incredible ending to last year's world titles. But this year, this they fall back to Emporia. They were in for that in DDO. So could we see a new winner? Could we see a six-time world champion? Who knows? I'm excited. And the first round kicks off tomorrow with the women at 9.30 and the men at 2.30. So please be on the lookout for that. And... Uh, my picks for two. Oh, before I get into that, uh, fun fact: if you did not see this on Instagram or Twitter or whatnot, um, interesting stat for you: that it took Paul Macbeth 1,113 days to win four world championships. On Championship Saturday, the Saturday coming up, it'll be officially 1,113 days since Paul Macbeth has won his last world title. So because of those stats and because of how last year ended up for him, my I'm actually going with two picks for MPO and FPO. My two picks for MPO are going to be uh, Paul Macbeth and Ricky Waisaki. And then for FPO, my picks are Paige Pierce and Kristen Tatar. Because after how Paige and Paul both lost last year, I definitely truly believe that they have the best chance of winning. And then for my wildcard picks, for MPO, I'm going to go Eagle McMahon and Nate Sexton. And then for FPO, I'm going Katrina Allen, or I'm sorry, uh, Valerie, or yeah, Katrina Allen and Valerie Mundahano. So those are my picks for World Championships. And I am super excited to watch them play, and they're playing at DDO again. So I'm super excited to watch that, so. But before that about does it for this week's episode, guys, um, 
like I said, be on the lookout for the YouTube uh, episode tomorrow for Unstable if I get a chance to do that one. And um, I will see you guys on uh, next week when we recap Worlds and all that fun stuff. So other than that, guys, tell someone you love them this week because not every day is guaranteed. I'm Cody Interval, PDGA148739, and I'll see you guys on the next one. Love you guys. Peace.